Hello and welcome to Michael and Ivanka's Grand Podcast, a weekly podcast where we don't have time to bring actual guests on, so we we bring their words on instead. My name's Michael Forrest. And I'm Ivanka Magic. And this week, we're going to read out in, in, in on the theme, the, this month's theme, March, March International Women's Month, we're going to read out a bit of Kate Raworth. Kate Raworth. Of Donut Economics. Fame. Who is, um, we saw a, a meeting conference a couple of years ago, right? Um, yes. And what was the thing you'd found? Was it seven something or other? Seven ways to think like a 21st century economist. And this is the what this is the sort of in the intro of her book Donut Economics. Yes. Yeah. Who wants to be? Oh right. Oh, it's titled Seven Ways to Think Like a. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's like a, a. It is in the intro because the intro bit is Who Wants to Be an Economist. It's not Chapter yeah. One. It's the intro, and then I. Uh, and then yeah. So then in it she has Seven Ways to Think Like a Twenty First Century Economist, which I think lends itself quite. It's quite a good overview. So if you if you're curious. Because we mentioned the Donut Economics book quite a lot, um, mm. and I think Which I haven't read. Uh, so I've I haven't read every word. So yes, uh, we thought we could read that out, uh, but I've got it on an actual book made of paper. Listen. Holy crap! How are you doing? I am doing very well, I think. Uh, this is the week in which my sister is uh, being... So she has a foster kid that stays with her and he's going to be there for a long time and he's lovely. And now she has... She's going to be doing one one week a month she does emergency fostering. Mm. And so last night, very late, two young brothers arrived from the police station so we did an emergency she did an emergency flit to buy them pyjamas and things because they have no idea what they're going to turn up with and then this morning I persuaded my daughter that she should share her toys and we sent over a care package of toys to play with hmm. that was a it's one of, a you know, solid that's them that's them's fixed <laughs> we've shared a couple of puzzles some books unfortunately one seven so I'm hoping that the combination of toys I put together will be okay but um or because we you know we yeah i don't think anyone has any idea i'm not privy to the details of why they're there i just know that they're there and um so but i think it's nick and i were talking about this over breakfast and he was like it just accentuates or you know like brings home what an amazing thing lydia and james are doing in fostering Mm -hmm. And then we were discussing whether or not we would be able to do it because as part of my new project as well, I'm looking into the systems that support fostering and foster carers and all those mm. things that the council are using. Uh, so, you know, it gives me a pause for reflection. Mm. And I think I I think I'd be far better placed for emergency placements, short-term emergency than for long-term, just mm. because the way you know the way we've organized our lives is you know all freelance let's go and be in Croatia for a bit let's come here for a bit let's do this let's do that and that's true I my sister 
is not going to be able to, you know, they're committed to this city now until their foster son turns 18 mm. legally, but really it's forever now because, mm. you know, he's, he's mm. going to have been with them for a while. But yeah. uh, yes, yeah. so that's my, that's my okay. little, if you've ever thought about fostering, yeah. go and check it out. Because the interesting thing about the application process, and that's part of what was coming up this week, is that balance between efficiency and gestation period. Because <laughs> you need... Okay. A, the, the, a lot of the application process is designed not just to establish whether you are right to be fostering, but whether fostering is right for you. And it, it's like I was discussing it with somebody on Tuesday, and it's like, for those of us who have been to therapy... There's this thing where, you know, you go and do some therapy and then you have to have some think, thinking time and processing time and all that. And then it's a, it's a, it, it, you can't speed it up. Some of it just takes the time yeah. it takes. And I think that the, the process of becoming a foster carer is a bit like that. And so, and the, um, but equally, there are some inefficiencies that we can mop yeah. up, but. This, this is something I've def that's been on my mind, this question of efficiency, um, especially like, we're, you know, from our, the UN report on poverty, yeah. the government is sort of so obsessed with, yeah, and I, you know, I've felt that government inefficiency, but actually realising that efficiency isn't better than inefficiency. No, it's not. a strategy that has different strengths to efficiency. So it's um, if you're inefficient, you can well by there are things you can do inefficiently that you just can't do efficiently, <laughs> like uh, <laughs> like get therapy. I get therapy, or yeah, you can't just kind of squeeze that all into a day. But I think no. like examples of um, um, just it comes back to that specialization question as well. Just like if you specialize to one you know particular strategy that requires everything and this is probably a mistake i make as well it's like if i if things don't fall precisely into place it throws all of my plans off which is why i get so angry about flaking because it's like no well that's everything's broken now because i had kind of like i've been sort of operating on this efficiency mindset but something i have been learning like recently is how to, you know, despite being, you know, being able to put something out a bit late and still feeling like it was a success. Yeah. Um, is it's important to be able to do that. And then also Delton Chen's work on like having an inefficient, you know, plants versus animals. It's like animals are efficient, but, you know, it's all quite tenuous. Yeah. It's a sort of house of cards, whereas plants are inefficient, but they can, you know, do all sorts of things. I don't know if that actually kind of like connects directly into your. Well, no, I think it, I think it does. Thing. I think it does. It's just the word is on my mind. I think I'm going to do a blank state on it. Imagine if we had a really, really inefficient government. <laughs> <laughs> but what would that mean? <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. I think that the. Um, I think what's you know comes up time and time again in these government. Um, you know, when you're doing these efficiency drives or, you know, digital transformation yeah. to make it more efficient is that some things absolutely like we've spoken about this time and time again, you know, cut and paste jobs should not exist. Right. You know, reproducing to somebody taking 
a, a bit of data from here and literally cut and pasting it into a different system. Computer, mm. The robots are welcome to those types of yeah. work. That is what they should be doing. No yeah. human being should be subjected to have to do that kind of work. That is not yeah. satisfying. You know, it's not the right, it's not a good use of our skills. But there's some areas that require creative thinking and being engaged and and relaxed to in order to think through ideas and that and a lot of that is when you're when your life is in crisis if somebody can give you a bit of space to breathe mm. yeah you're much more able to then think through what's happening to you and the problem you know crisis hits then pressure for efficiency and it's mm. just compounding your stress Mm. Um, and it, you know, it depends what sort of human you are as well. It's and like, it's and yeah. it's and it's brittle. And it's and I, I just I I found myself like some YouTube video auto played, which was like a robot voice reading out like the Apple Man voice reading out like some Reddit posts, and it kind of came onto this like what are the most ridiculous kind of policies you've had to deal with in your job, and there was quite a lot of this like. They had some sort of like if you were even one minute late, you would it would go on your permanent record. So you're actually incentivized if you were late, a little bit late to just take the whole day off um, in order to not kind of get hit by that policy. And there was just talking about these stories of seeing the cars coming in that just been like that just been the traffic had been a bit off and just having to like sigh and turn around and go home so that they didn't kind of have to deal with this policy. I just, it, that was, you That's know, amazing. and some other stupid ones. That like, is... that there was a company policy where the, 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 the MD didn't like hearing like different music as he walked through the factory floor because all the workers were so sort of far enough away that they'd put their own music on. So it instituted a policy that everyone had to listen to the same music. Like loads of stories like that. It's yeah, just come on, yeah. guys. Yeah, but you that, see that the brittleness of the uh, of the policy where word. you try and like eke out every last bit of efficiency from something, you end up like causing much bigger problems. Yeah. But also, also you end up imposing that social. Because I think I kind of missed the point of some of that poverty report in the moment. But like by optimizing something. You are really imposing your values on it in a really, in a much harsher way. And if your values are a bit off, if you do think that poverty is an identity, is a personality defect, then everything you do to optimize that system is going to sort of like enforce that mentality on people. Yeah. And it's wrong. So, anyway. But I, do, I mean, I, but I do think there's lots of things that technology is brilliant for and can help yes. with and all that. And there's, there's a whole swathe of the population that can be helped by these efficiencies. It's just there have to be safety nets for the people who it doesn't help. And actually, it's probably more efficient just to give everyone some cash at some point. Uh, I because... think it is. <clears throat> yeah. I, Lydia and I discussed this. She's like, if you work it through... It is probably a lot, lot cheaper to just give certain people enough money to survive, you know, to live. Sorry, not survive, yeah. to live mm-hmm. and live. and let them live. Yeah. If we could afford it. And I can I can I can vouch for this, like because I, I, you know, I, I architect systems for a living. <laughs> I, I, I kind of come up with architectures that fundamentally good programming is about 
not copying and pasting something from one place to another. It's about engineering a system where the computer internally is copying and is reusing that code, reusing that data in different ways as much as possible. Um, but as you sort of reach a certain level of complexity, the effort required, the work, the hours and days required to create a system that is efficient in that way becomes, it, you know, it's, it's very time consuming. I personally am of the idea that if something should be automated, then you need to do that work um, because there's always more complexity around the corner. But I would, I think in terms of government, you do have to look at the the profit and loss. You do have to look at the projections either way and go, okay, if we just gave everyone X amount of money versus spending billions on a system that, you know, kind of makes this X amount more efficient, what does that actually look like in money terms? And yeah. maybe don't go with the one that... There were all... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yep. complicated though, it is isn't complicated. it? It is complicated. And, I, you know, like, I think, I think one of the... I know you love a script, <laughs> you know, a bit of automation, automation, automation is um, excellent in the right place at the right time. Yes. Uh, but again, I, I'll use a podcast example. I have a, a script that I take notes with times on them as I listen back through the episode, the first draft. And then I created a little program that lets me copy and paste that into a into the document that then puts the markers into the timeline of the thing so that I can just whip through them and just make all the edits but like this week I lost half an hour just because and which when it works means I can sort of get the podcast out super quickly which is something I had to do by hand before and like if I forgot to do it right I would you know the times would be off because I deleted some stuff earlier so now the thing that is at this point in time it was like uh, well actually was that so if you don't put all the markers in up front then you don't know where you are but this week it like something weird went wrong with it and I ended up losing half an hour just trying to fix my program that makes it generally quicker and you sort of have to say that probably I've put more effort in overall so far into making my little tool and using it that's arguable at this point um but I tell you what, my quality of life is way better when I'm not doing the repetitive task. I'm just able to kind of slot this kind of podcast release. I, I've made that very efficient and and that just makes me feel better. Yeah, I mean, I think that we mustn't underestimate how much fun you have making these tools. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to take? Do you want to start? No, I want to ask you how you are. Oh shit! Have you not asked no, me? No, I've I just am? been oh. talking about. I talked about I don't mind. and then we went I've, on automation. I don't mind. I I can. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Tell us one thing, Michael. Tell on us the one subject thing of about automation. <laughs> I had a dream the other night <gasps> where I had a self-driving car, and so I was quite enjoying. I wasn't. I, in my dream, I could drive just about which i can't yeah in, in real, real life, life. <laughs> but i was just sort of like hanging out and chilling out in my car and just like it was taking i was just it was just like do you want to go here because it was in my calendar i guess and i was like yeah sure and that's all i did and it's just driving me there and then i had it as rummaging around in the back seat getting something i think i'd sort of dropped my phone in the back seat at some point <laughs> and like, i was sort of aware that i was going past a police car and they were that must have been like going what but there's no one driving that car so i was sort of having fun but then I ended up sort of getting out the car at one point and, um, and it sort of started driving off. 
<laughs> and then <laughs> I still found myself running after it, going, oh, my God, what, what are we going to do? And it kept sort of getting away. So I was just chasing my self-driving car as it disappeared off into the distance. <laughs> and, I, and I couldn't stop it because I didn't have my phone on me. And I was like, oh, why haven't I got an Apple Watch on? Why am I wearing this stupid uh, Withings thing? <laughs> but, yeah, it's, you know, a, a, a portent. Goodness. Of the future, your self-driving car drives off without you. <laughs> the Samsungs, that'll be like 2041. <laughs> 2031, Samsung cars drive off without their owners because they've got a faulty sensor in them. In the seat. So there you go, that was fun. Also, I heard back from Dalton about our write-up, which he was, you know, seemed to be pretty positive on and said, like, our last, the last paragraph could kind of describe the whole thing. So I was like, that's good to hear. And then I started trying to write a blank state script about it and immediately was like, I don't, I don't understand this mechanism at all. I don't know how to describe how it looks in practice. And so he sent me a couple more things to read, but I'm still trying to find the time to kind of get my head around it. But he's also sent me the chapter. Is I'm, in, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of cited as one of his allies in his thing now, next to uh, Extinction Rebellion. Wowzers. I'm a little Seven Ways to Think Like a 21st Century Economist. From Donut Economics by Kate Raworth. Yes, to who we are massive fans of. Well, I am. Uh, and she is a women. She's a women. <laughs> and uh, uh, and she, she, go, go. she knows what she's talking about. Anyway, go, go. whether you consider yourself an economic veteran or novice, now is the time to uncover the economic graffiti that lingers in all of our minds. And if you don't like what you find, scrub it out. Or better still, paint it over with new images that far better serve our needs and times. I'm a novice. Are you a novice? I'm a novice. I'm a novice. Okay. Uh, definitely. The rest of this book proposes seven ways to think like a 21st century economist, revealing for each of those seven ways the spurious image that has occupied our minds, how it became so powerful and the damaging influence it has had. But the time for mere critique is past, which is why the focus here is on creating new images that capture the essential principles to guide us now. The diagrams in this book aim to summarise that leap from old to new economic thinking. Taken together, they set out, quite literally, a new big picture for the 21st century economist. So here is a whirlwind tour of the ideas and images at the heart of Donut Economics. First, change the goal. For over 70 years, economics has been fixated on GDP or national output as its primary measure of progress. That fixation has been used to justify extreme inequalities of income and wealth, coupled with unprecedented destruction of the living world. For the 21st century, a far bigger goal is needed, meeting the human rights of every person within the means of our life-giving planet. And that goal is encapsulated in the concept of the donut. Can I just interject with something I very, you know, the way I heard this described very clearly the other day was, and in the context of International Women's Day uh, month, was um, what does child, what does bringing up children and, you know, having children contribute to the GDP? Nothing. Therefore, it's seen as having no value. 
which how, what could be more wrong than that i yeah i heard her i i've i part listened to this book and part read it and, and there's a bit yeah. where she talks about you know in the corporate environment you never have to stop and teach people you know potty train people <laughs> so mm, like yeah. somebody's already done that bit um <laughs> she says the challenge now is to create economies local to global that help to bring all of humanity into the donut safe and just space instead of pursuing ever increasing gdp it's time to discover how to thrive in balance okay and our seven ways to think is the next one is like a little diagram so we can just kind of whiz through it so change the goal from gdp see the big picture nurture human nature get savvy with systems designed to distribute create to regenerate and be agnostic about growth okay growth um should we like well let, i'll take the big picture shall yeah. i um second see the big picture mainstream economics depicts the whole economy with just one extremely limited image the circular flow diagram i've never seen that its limitations have furthermore been used to reinforce a neoliberal narrative about the efficiency of the market, the incompetence of the state, the domesticity of the household, and the tragedy of the commons. Its limitations have been used to reinforce. I do you know this the term neoliberal? Yeah, I haven't looked it up, and it sounds like a nice thing, but I guess it's, it's a bad one. Thing. Yeah, it is one. Neoliberal <laughs> is one of those. It's the ba basic premise of neoliberal is this whole the market will balance itself out and sort mm. itself out. And that's the and then she I listened to a talk of her. She did. It's on a podcast, an LSE podcast. And she talks about the fact that I can't remember the years now, but um, a group of people came together with that sort of like the market will always be right and the market mm. will always right itself. And then they created a little group and then. Low, like Thatcher's first uh, chance of the exchequer was one of this gang and then blah 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 and mm. so these it, it, it was sort of created with a long term a long game strategy so mm. get the people together get the ideas together and then seed those people into many organisations but it's this it's this thing we've already discussed that the market is not in charge it and does that, not share our values no it needs it so. needs um it needs uh, regulations to, it. to make sure that it meets the needs of humanity. <laughs> Ivanka is pointing to a bit of the book. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> um, I'll finish. It's time to draw the economy anew, embedding it within society and within nature and powered by the sun. This new depiction invites new narratives about the power of the market, the partnership of the state, the core role of the household and the creativity of the commons. Um, third, I, well, so the sorry, the tragedy of the commons as well is one that, off the top of my head, I don't know. Well, I've heard her re using this phrase, and I've never particularly gone and looked it up. Could we? I've the phrase sounds familiar. I don't know what it means. The tragedy of the commons is a term used in social science to describe a situation in a shared resource system where individual users acting independently according to their own self-interest behave contrary to the common good of all users by depleting or spoiling that resource through their collective action. Okay. okay but, so it just so means... she uses she uses in her talk that I listened to recently you know, open source, creative commons, all that stuff as a counter argument to um, this tragedy of the commons mm. business where, you know, 
we mustn't create common spaces because we're all going to fuck them up type which seems <laughs> to be like a, a lay summary <laughs> <laughs> this is why you can't have nice things mm, yeah I hate that feeling <laughs> uh, third nurture human nature at the heart of 20th century economics stands the portrait of rational economic man he has told us that we are self-interested, isolated, calculating, fixed in taste and dominant over nature, and his portrait has shaped who we have become. But human nature is far richer than this, as early sketches of our new self-portrait reveal. We are social, interdependent, approximating, fluid in values and dependent upon the living world. What's more, it is indeed possible to nurture human nature in ways that give us a far greater chance of getting into the donut's safe and just space. Referring to the donut, which I guess we have has been covered already in the book. <laughs> the donut is this diagram which um, we have used before in a podcast thumbnail, which yeah. I guess no one sees. But um, you can you should look that up and follow along. By the way, we put the link in the oh well. So I we've guess got you need basically. The book, but. Um, I've, I've, I've. Um, I think you can read this much in the iBook preview if you're on an Apple thing. But what I just wanted to say about that kind of portrait of the rational economic man, this self-interested, isolated, calculating, is that even like I've talked before about. Um, like game theory in um, like genetic. I mean, this yeah. is this doesn't this doesn't even understand like the Richard Dawkins stuff that about that the we're not designed to exploit to to screw each other over. No, we're designed. We're not designed for individuals to thrive. We're designed for our DNA to thrive, which is a different challenge. And is why we are programmed with cooperative behaviors. And like we've talked about this before, but we, um, you know, our emotions and, you know, social drives are there for a reason that is this, it's the selfish gene, not the selfish man. Right. And if you conflate those two, you get it very, very, very wrong. She bangs on about this portrait of um, rational economic man as well in her um in this talk i don't know how come i anyway and she uh it's this idea that if that's the drawing then we become the drawing yeah yeah it's, these things can reinforce themselves yeah. so but yeah like we need to we yeah we need to we our humanity also covers our emotional reactions to things yeah. which are described which are baked into us by Millennia, but the trouble is now they're triggered by weird stuff. But our humanity is our rationality and our emotions together. You can't just take one without the other, uh, because then you don't have humanity. You have like some sort of weird psychotic robot, which is what kind of our current value system seems to be when it comes to economics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like yeah. Fourth, get savvy with systems. The iconic crisscross of the market's supply and demand curves is the first diagram that every economic student encounters. I've not seen this, but... So supply and demand. Supply goes up as demand... I don't know. Demand goes up and supply goes up. I don't know. Crisscross. Why do they crisscross? Sorry, I've There's just got graph. to check this. Supply... Oh, is, can you, I can't see the graph because I'm on a stupid Apple So book. basically, it's the idea um, that the more there is of something, the less people want it. Is that... I supply think... goes up, demand goes down. I don't understand that. Well, it's economic. I don't know. 
Hang on. Uh, so the price goes down. Oh, price. Yes, price. Demand goes down. Maybe I should go and get those glasses. <laughs> so micro... Oh, wait, that's micro. Demand and supply. What are these axes? P goes up. Q... If demand is high and supply is low, then price will be high. But if oh. supply is high and demand is low, then price will be low. Okay, there we go. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> uh, it's rooted in a misplaced 19th century metaphors of mechanical equilibrium. A far smarter starting point for understanding the economy's dynamism is systems thinking, summed up by a simple pair of feedback loops. Putting such dynamics at the heart of economics opens up many new insights, from the boom and bust of financial markets to the self-reinforcing nature of economic inequality and the tipping points of climate change. It's time to stop searching for the economy's elusive control levers and start stewarding it as an, as an ever-evolving complex system. Um... Well, then she's got a graph that goes on about eggs and chickens crossing the road. So you've got some eggs and some chickens. <laughs> mm. So the more eggs there are, the more chickens there are. The more chickens there are, the more eggs there are. Maybe. No? Yeah, Eggs and then chickens. on the other side, road crossings. And then of... you've got, so the more chickens there are, the more chickens cross the road, and the more road crossings there are, the more chicken. I don't know. Well, there's a dynamic complexity is that there are, there is, it's like a chain the diagram becomes, and, and then you sort of get the idea of sort of interconnections and how things so, kind of start so to So the word kind of more each other. is not necessary here. It's not about more. Eggs do chickens, chickens make eggs, chickens cross the road. The dynamic effect of more chickens also touches the road crossings, but it will also touch other things, and road crossings will touch the next thing, maybe, and then the next thing will touch the next thing, and I think that's a dynamic, complex system. I don't know if... It, um, but it, but this, I think, the, the self-reinforcing nature of economy... Because she's arguing that the... That the, that the thing... Ever-evolving, complex system... Oh, so she's talking about a simple pair of feedback loops. Yeah, so, so it's not gross. It's not more eggs give more chickens give me. It's just yeah. that eggs do chickens, chickens do eggs, eggs do chickens, chickens do eggs. There's no more in it. Mm. But the crossings of the roads means that it, they don't... Ah, maybe this is... <laughs> well, it says, she says summed chapter. up. She says summed up by a simple pair of feedback loops. Yeah, but because I think that if chickens cross the road, then some chickens are going to get run over. There's not just going to mm. be more and more chickens crossing the road because if there's like loads of chickens crossing the road, then loads of them are going to die. <laughs> Am I helping? <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's very helpful. <laughs> Let's uh, talk about design to distribute. I think we distribute. need to... What we're, what we're establishing here is that there's more homework to be done. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Fifth, design to distribute. In the 20th century, one simple curve, the Kuznets curve, whispered a powerful message on equality. It has to get worse before it can get better. And hmm. growth will eventually even it up. But inequality, it turns out, is not an economic necessity. It's a design failure. Design mother f***ing failure. <laughs> okay. 
because uh, I did listen to this part of her talk. Is this is about trickle down? The idea is that you know, if yeah. once you get more and more rich people, they'll bring up the people from below. Trickle down, and yeah, that ain't God, happened. Not happening. 21st century economists will recognise that there are many ways to design economies to be far more distributive of the value that they generate. An idea best represented as a network of flows. It means going beyond distributing income to exploring ways of redistributing wealth, particularly the wealth that lies in controlling land, enterprise, technology, knowledge and the power to create money. So, what, we're currently redistributing income, but we need to be redistributing wealth. Well, we're currently not really redistributing... Yeah, Yeah, she said going beyond redistributing income to exploring ways of redistributing wealth. So, even, I guess, even if there is an attempt to... Oh, yes, I see, yeah. Like tax, I guess, is that, you know, if we kind of just tax, income tax and then... Blah blah blah, but the um yeah that sort of accumulated wealth that lies in all these other things needs to be redistributed. Case in point, yeah. I saw on Facebook that yeah. Germany is uh, just having a referendum on uh, on making large landlord being a large landlord illegal, like a landlord with loaded properties. That's going to they're having a referendum on whether that should be illegal. Wowzers. So that's that's what we're talking that about. Is what we're talking I can imagine about. governments doing things like that. Wow. How <laughs> like would you unbecome one like of those? Do you have to sell off well, your I properties? Well, let me just find the let me just find the post. But I think that's I mean that's the sort of that's, action that I think this implies. That's maybe. very modern, isn't it? Yeah. You like know, that what breaks. Berlin set to hold referendum. It's Berlin um, though. Berlin. It's a city, not the country. Berlin set on, set to hold referendum on banning big landlords and nationalising private rented housing. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> it's big landlords, so small landlords. But yeah, like if you're just like buying buying up all the land, oh, stop it. Well, there Maybe are we lots of problems. See what there the are, result is. Yeah. There are lots of problems in this country as well with that sort of like people who own freeholds, for example, as hmm. a in- method of investment. Yeah, no, so, it's everywhere. It's like absolutely, it's, and it's this hoarding and sort of like reinforcing of your own. As, as soon as you've got money, you get more money. As soon as you haven't got money, you can't get, get any, any money ever. <laughs> like <laughs> you're just paying interest your whole life. Uh, sixth, sixth, create to regenerate. Economic theory has long portrayed a clean environment as a luxury good, affordable only for the well-off. This view was reinforced by the environmental Kuznets curve, which once again whispered that pollution has to get worse before it can get better and growth will eventually clean it up. But there is no such law. Ecological degradation is simply the result of degenerative industrial design. This century needs economic thinking that unleashes regenerative design in order to create a circular not linear economy, and to restore humans as full participants in Earth's cyclical processes of life. So someone just, this Kuznets, Kuznets curve, I, I've got the Wikipedia page up, it's just what someone's just said, oh no, this is going to be like this, as purely just to manipulate people? It sounded to me like um, 
in the talk, and I haven't followed, done any follow-up reading, but my understanding was that an expert, he, is it he, he did some experiment, he had a set of data, but the data wasn't longitudinal enough. So within mm. a short, in, in, a, in a snapshot of what he looked at, he drew a conclusion that became truth and therefore yeah. and then but but it's so you know it's well it's it's wikipedia page goes Kuznets ratio one two criticisms <laughs> three <laughs> like just starts with all the problems with it and then goes into like some kind of but it got, caveats but, it's but like, I, I was watch i was watching something on netflix last night about being fat <laughs> and he, right. it, it talked about the fact that at the same time you know that part of the problem with obesity is there's sugar consumption and mm. it, it talked about the fact that at the same time there were two competing theories one that being unhealthy was all about fat in your diet and one was all about sugar in your diet yeah and the fat one won lost yeah the fat one won so loads yeah, of low fat, fat food with high sugar and in fact there was lo- the person who won like it was much more about it was about that's why Delton Chen not talking about what he's doing is not good. Yeah, if what yeah, he's doing yeah, is yeah. good, you've got to be out there talking about it. The best, yeah. it, it, I mean, you can be dismissive of marketing, but you've got to get the power behind you to get your science adopted. Yeah, and this is this is something. Yeah, like no one, like Isaac Newton was a wasn't the first genius to come up with the, these ideas. He was just a very good self promoter and probably had a bit of like uh, like privilege to be able to sort of spend time talking about it. Okay. <laughs> Seventh, be agnostic about growth. One diagram in economic theory is so dangerous that it is never actually drawn the long-term path of GDP growth. Mainstream economics views endless economic growth as a must, but nothing in nature grows forever, and the attempt to buck that trend is raising tough questions in high-income but low-growth industries. It may not be hard to give up having GDP growth as an economic goal, but it is going to be far harder to overcome our addiction to it. Today we have economies that need to grow, whether or not they make us thrive. What we need are economies that make us thrive, whether or not they grow. That radical flip in perspective invites us to become agnostic about growth and to explore how economies that are currently financially, politically and socially addicted to growth could learn to live with or without it. And we've covered growth a lot recently, so Kate's already been talking about it she's getting it out there growth that thing of trees just don't just we don't grow forever otherwise we'd all be freakish giants stumbling over things and nothing would work our houses would be too small and nobody would want to play with us was um yeah so that i mean that's the that's a, a, that's the seven tenets of kate rawworth's book um which sounds like we should all have read it yeah we need to read more of it or read the bits i've read i've done yeah i need to read more of it again in more detail that's the thing about you know books that are gonna learn, learn you something <laughs> you have to have a couple of runs at them sometimes um, i'm still in the middle of bullshit jobs um so i'll get to this 
but I am. Um, I need to understand the the chicken and eggs and road crossing bit. That's the bug. No, no, it's just didn't... saying that it's a system. It's not just a X Y curve. Like it's like get away from this simplistic picture of it and start thinking about it in terms of systems. And I think she says like that's a summary of what how you start thinking about systems. But I don't think you need to like decode that. I don't think. I mean, I'm, I'm sure decoding that particular one might help and you could find a YouTube video on it. But um, it's really that these things are multiple. It's not like there's just an X, Y axis going. If one goes up, the other goes down. And that's all there is to it, which I think is the outdated way of thinking about it. Okay. No? All right. I'll have a that's think what about I think that. that is. What so I you think don't need to read that. it. Just to <laughs> let me yell at you. <laughs> <laughs> We're so out of time. We are out of time. We're out of time. So thanks for listening to us reading out other people's stuff. <laughs> Hope there's no copyright concerns. <laughs> As I was thinking about uh, reading out, like reading out the whole thing, it's like, is that is that just Especially if you're asking if you're getting money for it. Is that okay? I don't know. I uh, think it's valuable, but to, I mean, to the authors of it as well. But I, mean, well, I don't think we're going to make a Kate Rawworth audiobook. There probably already is an audiobook of this. There's probably a. Oh, yeah, that argument. For... Anyway, I don't know. As long <laughs> as we. <laughs> I don't know. Thanks for listening. If you like yeah. the podcast, yeah. go to grandpodcast.com. <laughs> what? Well, <laughs> go to grandpodcast.com, subscribe. I'm going to do Michael's bit this evening. Oh, yeah, this subscribe. Evening, I was, I subscribe. Go and subscribe. Go and subscribe. Go and subscribe to the podcast, will you? Subscribe, tell your friends, listen to stuff, you know, tweet about it, write reviews and ratings on whatever platform you listen to. You can mm. also go to michaelforestmusic.com where you can because Michael is the musician who makes all the music on our podcast that is used. I've done it. And it's very good. Michael is the... Yeah. Are um, you the musician? What are you? Are you going de- to do some self-deprecating I was do some self-deprecation. <laughs> and I was like, shut up, Michael. You can find Ivanka, Ivanka on Twitter and she's a very... Spe- uh, she's a very successful Twitterer. <laughs> you should read her tweets. Yes. I think, I think you're going to need to, like, pin a new tweet soon, though. I can't, I can't, but then I'll Coast never find on that, that Trump one. one. <laughs> I mean, the, I have thought about it because I think my my uh, war one is better, right? In many ways, and obviously more current, more you know. However, mm. I did accidentally get tweeted by the president of the United States of America. Yeah, but he's a twat. I know, <laughs> but I, I was, I was, so I was watching someone's somebody. I read a tweet the other day. Someone, she was like, "Oh, I, you know, I went on ITV the other on Good Morning Britain and talked about climate change," and I was like, "Yeah, I did that <laughs> two years <laughs> ago." <laughs> it's like because you know, and I, and I, and I, poop. What's his face that? miserable faced man that went <laughs> did you get woken up by your notifications mm. I was like no <laughs> because I'm not an Egypt <laughs> like what you are and let Deary me talk to you me. about climate change those are my anyway, exact Ivanka's words a very, I was like, Ivanka's a very famous tweet, twitterer and I I 
I was very proud when I saw her in the metro. Almost as proud as she was when she saw my dad in the metro. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Is there something um, really nice about seeing people you know in the papers go? Oh. I was like, she is gonna, she is gonna. I think behind every great, can I? Should I? Can I be on your team when you run? Yes, you can. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> in the marathon. Um, <laughs> right, thanks. <laughs> in the for 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 Congress. Yes, for Congress, the United States of America. The United Britain. Who knows what Britain's going to look like in six months' time. I think United Nations is more my bag. I'm not really interested Mm. in countries. They're very boring. Well, that's because you're a globalist by the sound of it. That's true. I am. I'm a universalist. (laughs) It's so arbitrary. Anyway, I've got to take my passport again into Sussex University to prove to them that in the last two years I haven't ceased to be a British citizen and I still have cool. a right to work. Cool. It's like, what the fuck? They're just going through foreign names. <laughs> oh, there's a foreign looking name. <laughs> this thing is a policy, isn't it? Right to work. Must check. Right to work. How can my right to work expire? And on that note, yes. <laughs> find out next week. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.